Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Carrie, how are you feeling? You doing good tonight? I am. How are you? Doing very well. So what I know about you, and I think a lot of people are going, because I, I have these conversations with a lot of people um, at the gym and at work and stuff, and just like decluttering their emails, you know, their text <laughs> messages on their phone. And that's where I see that. And it just bugs me for whatever reason that, you know, why don't you, why don't you check that? Why don't you at least just delete it or something? Get it out of the way. You know, why do you leave it on red? But um, yeah, so you know, you help people declutter their life, I guess, in all a bunch of different areas, correct? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. So how did this yeah. all come about? Like, you know, where did it start at? I mean, was this something that you just like, like me, you can't stand seeing like all these <laughs> 11,000 emails on somebody's phone? Like, I, I have always been like that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because I started out in education. I have my bachelor's and master's in education. And even back then, my favorite part was organizing my classroom. I mean, I probably shouldn't admit that, but... <laughs> I always loved it. And then um, it it just came time for a career change. I'd been home with my kids for a while and I had a friend who had become a professional organizer. And I will never forget when she told me that it was like, what? (laughs) That's a job. I can get paid to do that. So I, I started that and was doing kind of what you think of typical closet garage into that kind of stuff. And then got certified in 2014 to work with businesses because I, I found out that I was really good with systems and paper and I kind of geek out on all that kind of stuff. And then, so I was doing that exclusively business work and corporate. And then in 2017, I did my Ted talk on all the different types of clutter and what to do about them. And people from all over the world. I thought it was just a bucket list. Like my mom would listen and that would be that. And it went viral and people from all over the world started reaching out saying, Hey, we need help with this mental clutter stuff you're talking about. And I said, well, I don't do that. And I quickly figured out that there was a huge need and that I I was doing a disservice to myself and to others if I didn't figure it out. So that's how it's evolved. I like it. So, all right. So well, I want to dive in on the types of clutter, but mm-hmm. I, I guess another question. So you started working with businesses, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, what, what incorporated that, you know, just like a business trying to get more organized, I guess. And yeah, so it, it we look at everything, you know, from their, their business systems, their calendar, their CRM, their filing, their digital world. I do a lot now virtually helping people who have 
like some stuff on Dropbox and some stuff on OneDrive and Google and, you know, all these different places and they don't know what they have and how many copies of what they have. And so I do that, but basically I work a lot with small businesses who just sort of started their business and they're doing really well, but they don't have any of that backend structure in place. So, yeah, I was thinking that about my line of work and that it seems like there's always you know, if you want to do something, a project, a task, whatever you have to do it, there's a million different ways you can go about it, right? You oh, know, yeah. Yeah. Like oh, you yeah. want to use Microsoft Excel compared to Google Sheets. And then, like you said, if you want to, you know, send it to somebody on the OneDrive and share it there. And it's just like, you know, there's no, it's, it's, I hope this is the right word, cohesiveness, I guess. Yes. And it's just like, you know, it, it makes things hard to explain, I guess, in the work world for me because everyone's got their own way of doing it. And it's just like, mm-hmm. well, why don't we try to find the easiest way of making a simple, you know, a streamlined path. That way people are not having to have 14 different programs on their phone or on their exactly. computer or whatever. Yeah, just to get one simple task done, right? Yeah, no, you're speaking my language. And yeah. a lot of my clients um, have ADHD. My background, I have an endorsement in ADHD and my education degree. And I, I'm always looking for the simplest way, but people want the shiniest. I get so many questions, even just from friends. Well, what's the best app for this? And what's the best task management software. And I always say, well, do you like the one you're using? Because it's probably that (laughs) like, you know, unless you're experiencing a difficulty, why change? But yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that, and I get it to an extent that, you know, like you said, the shiny thing, but you know, people are trying to incorporate new things, try new projects, try new apps, Mm -hmm. try new ways of doing things. And I'm not knocking that, but sometimes you know, like I forgot that saying or where it comes from, but keep it simple, stupid. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like, Hey, (laughs) It's not broke. Let's not, we're not, we're not, you know, we don't have to try to fix this. We don't have to re-evolve mm-hmm. the whole or what re-evolve the whole wheel, fix the wheel or re-evolve it, whatever the saying is. But <laughs> yeah, it's just like things like that. It's just like, we're just causing more work for ourselves and what's needed. And yeah, I just don't know where that comes from. I guess it's exactly what you know. said that just people wanting to, you know, but there are people, I mean, I have a client now and she's wildly successful, extremely intelligent, high up in a publishing company and she didn't know until a few weeks ago that you could make folders in your email. She just didn't know. (laughs) So, so there are some people that just, you can tell them, you know, the simple tips, like, all right, let's look at these areas of your business. And that's probably a good point because, you know, I know people who, you know, they want to, they, how should I put this? So yeah, like, so for email, like Outlook or Gmail, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, they want to stay organized. They want to try to figure out how to do simple tips like that or tricks like that, make folders in there, but they just don't know how. So somewhere they might Google something, they might hear from another friend that, oh, you should do it this way instead. So they're not really getting the full extent out of certain programs that they could be just because, and I'm not saying they're not wanting to learn or anything. It's just that just, just have it learned for whatever reason, but it's like some things like that. It's like, oh, this could be even... People thought about this before, you know, you're not, you know, we can use this to the fullest extent, which is kind of cool. So it's just maybe. And I think people just run out of time a lot of time, you know, it gets pushed further and further down the to-do list. Like, oh, that's, you know, for a rainy day that never comes. Oh, I'm one of those people that, you know, it's like a simple task that could take 10 seconds or two minutes. And I'm just like, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. You know, because, you know, it's always like, oh, I got to get the other stuff done first. And then, you know, hopefully the rainy day that comes back around. But, Mm -hmm. But let's go back to. The types of clutter. Okay, sure. So, yeah. So, uh, go ahead. You're gonna. Yeah, ask I was them. just saying. Like, so what are? So, I mean, what are the types of clutter? I mean, and 
So can I define it first? Because I think that's the easiest way. So I basically use two definitions. Um, In my TED Talk, I actually use one from my mentor, Barbara Hemphill, because she coined it and it's been a gold standard for many, many years, is that clutter is postponed decisions. Because when you think about it, everything that piles up around you or in your world is just a decision you haven't made yet. You've postponed that decision. So I talk a lot with my clients about that because you can approach that from all angles and it's always true. And then recently, I'd say in the past year or so, since I, I, we might want to talk about this because it's kind of crazy because I sold or got rid of 95% of everything I owned and moved to the beach. But since I've done that, we can come back to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to make a note. (laughs) Go ahead. Oh, wait. Oh, you froze. And that's that the clutter in our life is anything that keeps us from navigating our life with ease. So even if it's your garage is full and so you've got to walk around, even if it's raining or snowing or whatever, or you can't find the email you want because you have 11,000, like you said, so you're not, or just not having systems in your home, like a consistent place to put your keys. How easy is that? But you're always searching for your keys. So it's anything that keeps you from navigating through life with ease, which is what we all strive for. We all want our life to feel good and get our work done and have fun. And so clutter is anything that clogs that up, but there are lots of different kinds. So there's the physical clutter, which we think of, right? Like the stuff that's piled in your closet and sure. your kitchen pantry or and wherever. Your, your junk door that you have in the kitchen. Like you exactly. Just <laughs> which is okay, by the way. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's digital clutter, which we've talked a little bit about so far. And there are other d- different ones that can kind of be subcategories of that. In a business, you can have systems clutter. There can be noise clutter. But the other big category of clutter is what I call internal clutter. So that's mental clutter, emotional clutter, and spiritual clutter. So you have that external, your physical, digital, all the stuff outside, and then you have internal clutter. And so the mental clutter are, the easiest way to think of it is those are the things that keep you up at three in the morning. Mm. So it's all those thoughts in your head, it's stuff in the news, it's everything that you can't control outside of you, right? Just, you know, all the things that bombard you. And then if it sticks around long enough, or if you start to really believe and internalize a lot of those negative messages, it can become emotional clutter. And so where you have a lot of negative self-talk, you have doubts, you have fears, you have a lot of patterns that aren't serving you anymore. And then if that sticks around long enough, you can have spiritual clutter, which can be a couple of things that can be, you know, questioning a higher power, questioning what your faith has always been. It can also be not living out your purpose. Mm. And all those other types of clutter, even clutter in your house, believe it or not, can keep you from living out your purpose. And so the the types of clutter are very intertwined. And that's what I started to see over the years is that even, even my business clients have said, hey, can you help us with our filing system? They always, if they were willing, the conversation would always steer a little bit towards the internal clutter and everybody can use a tune-up, so to speak, in both areas. So, all right. So going back, so physical clutter, I mean, mm-hmm. do you remember that TV show Hoarders? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So is that basically when we say physical clutter, just people just keep piling and keep piling? Well, that's the extreme. Yes. Okay. And to be people throw around that word hoarding there, that's an actual diagnosis and there's a scale, a hoarding scale and that type of thing. But but yes, that that would be the extreme. Does that go along with some, type of, some type of mental illness? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. That's what I thought. And just. Well, and maybe not, I mean, that's tricky, maybe not mental illness, but it is like a diagnosis that you would get. So it's not necessarily tied to a certain mental illness, but. Well, yeah, see, and I don't, I'm probably the last person that should be talking about it, but, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, where you hear about, you know, your grandma or your great grandma or grandparents, whatever you want to say, living in the the great depression, so to speak, Mm -hmm. they they were always, uh, they didn't want to get rid of anything. Right. But that's just how they kind of grew up and that was a habit they kind of contained that you know hey this is you know we didn't know if we were going to be able to eat the next day we had to you know mm-hmm. scrimp and save everything we did but i would never say that was a type of mental illness that was just how i guess their mind adapted into surviving and right. some people would just say like oh you know grandparents don't get rid of anything just but it's just because there's something old they're just old and naive and it's like no i don't really think yeah it will and a lot of times it comes from a circumstance so their circumstance would be you know living through the depression or having parents who live through the depression i still see clients like that my older clients are very much like well i can't get rid of this or they want it to go to a really really good home you know what but but other types of like severe clutter issues approaching hoarding or crossing over that line into hoarding, they often happen from another circumstance as well, such as like a death or a divorce or disease or depression. It's like a whole series of bad D words, um, a move that you didn't want to make, a layoff, something like that. So things like that can derail previously organized or semi-organized people. And get them to the point where they feel overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And there, I mean, there are some things like some people have true shopping addictions. Some people are trying to use their stuff almost as a shield to protect themselves, themselves and their home. And nobody will come near me. I mean, there definitely are some deep, deep issues, but then there are just other people who get really busy and all of a sudden you can't park your car in the garage. You know, there's a whole yeah. wide range. Yeah. Well, to the uh, to those people who you were talking about, I mean, is that kind of like a coping mechanism or a defense mechanism where they just keep, you know, piling up stuff and we don't really want to get rid of it just because it's one of those things that, you know, for example, like older clients, they just don't want to get rid of certain objects just because there might be a sense of, belonging or a sense of nostalgia with it and just that mm-hmm. hey i'm not ready to let go just because this piece had a memorable impact on my life for whatever reason I mean, like you said it wants to go to a good home mm-hmm. there's that there's also just the the safety in it sometimes people feel like almost clinging to a life raft like well my stuff will keep me safe like maybe things in the world are crazy or maybe my family situation isn't good but i have my stuff and so it's it's yeah, they cling to it. So with somebody with a physical, you know, like a security blanket or this thing, mm-hmm. like where they're almost not, you know, we said hoarding was extreme, but what's we say we're not use that in the scenario. But when you come in and start helping these people, I mean, where do you start? Well, there's two different schools of thought. Well, there's more than that, but there's two main. I mean, some people say you just have to, you know, bite the bullet, do the hard stuff, clean it out. 
and just get it done. And that's okay in extreme situations. Or if the person really wants that, like, let's say they want to sell their house. Okay. And they're like, yeah, clean it out. Like I'm ready. I want to move. You know, I have this big plans. Most people, when they get to that point, they're, I mean, I've worked in conjunction with counselors and therapists and things like that before psychiatrists. Um, most people need to change their mindset and change their habits, or it's just going to go back to the way it was. And so you have to start and feel success and feel momentum. So I always have my clients start small, like those small wins. And I always say, okay, what's your, like, what area of your house or your room or your office or whatever, when it's clean and organized, what area makes you feel good? And everybody has an answer. Everybody knows some people it's their kitchen table. For me, it was always my kitchen counter. Some people it's like their entryway, but everybody knows what that is. And so I say, okay, well, from this day forward, like declare, this is my clutter-free zone Mm -hmm. and don't let anyone you live with, or, you know, just kind of like, nope, this is it. The whole rest of the place can still be a mess, but we have this clutter-free zone. And I've had clients even like clean the table, get fresh cut flowers, like literally when there's piles and boxes everywhere else, but you feel like, wow, look. And it's it shifts the energy of the whole space sure. when you do that. And so I like to start with something really, really simple, really get good momentum. But then after that, I always say, well, start with the critical area or what's bothering you the most, like what's interfering with your daily life the most and what area if we cleaned out would make everything else feel easier so that's where i start but um the good news about the the intertwining of the internal and the external clutter is that even if you know like okay i have this stuff piled up and i know it's because i had these thoughts and all this stuff going on inside my head if you start on either one, it has a positive effect on the other. So that's, what's really cool to see. It's like that snowball effect of good, <laughs> good stuff. So if you clean something out and get it organized, you're going to start to feel better mentally and emotionally. And if you work on the mental and emotional, like I teach all different, what I call my toolkit and people can pick and choose. So let's say you start a gratitude practice or you start um, meditating or spending time in nature, or using art or whatever it is, you are going to feel better, more energized, and you're going to have that desire to fix your physical environment. So it's, it's really kind of neat to see the positive effect one can have on the other. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with the, uh, you know, taking the almost the small steps or the baby steps and getting like a small win and riding that momentum and, you know, knowing that, Hey, this is possible. You just, it's like, you know, saying, you know, like, all right, right. So, so for example, I'm currently training for a half marathon, but so before that, like I would have never went out day one and just ran 13 miles, you know, it's just like, <laughs> hey, let me build up to this and get some small wins. And that's helped me mentally and physically and just say, Hey, you know, okay. I'm, you know, I'm at one mile, I'm at two miles. I'm doing this little by little. And just, it's little things like that where people, I wonder if they have this, you know, misconjunction where it has to be all an all or nothing kind of attitude that, you know, if I can't get it all done in one day, then it's just not going to happen. And a lot of people do, or people have had families over the years hire me and they think, well, if you just fix it for them, I'm like, well, I don't fix, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm teaching new habits. I'm not going in and cleaning someone's house. There's a huge difference. And um, yeah, some, some people think like, if I can't, finish it now. I'm a failure, but we work through that very quickly. 
Well, I mean, you're teaching new habits and I like that. And it's just because what is that old saying that, you know, you teach a man to fish, he eats forever, but if you feed him, he eats for the mm-hmm. day or something like that. So yeah. and it's building those little habits like that, that, you know, and like you said, you're riding that momentum, you're riding that success train. And, and I forgot who talks about that, but if you start to get a successful momentum going, people just feed off that. And it's like you said earlier about the snowball effect and it just keeps riding, keeps mm-hmm. riding until people get to whatever goal they have in mind. You know, if it is cleaning out the whole garage where they can actually park their car in there or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good habits to build. And it's just, you know, James Clear even talks about in his book, it takes like, you know, just keep repetition and repetition. And I love him. That's yeah. the book I wish I wrote. If I wrote any book in this world, I wish it was that one. Yeah. I agree with every word in it. It's a powerful <laughs> book. And you know, I talk yes. about a lot on here and I forget, I read it, you know, a few months ago, but it just still just sticks with me because it makes so much sense. And just that things, you know, that I've, thought about but didn't really think about it. it's like that makes so much sense. you know just reading those words it makes so much sense now you know why didn't i think about that so yeah. but the other the other answer to where to start is you always have to have a vision to where you're going so some people they might think oh i'm going to organize my house and they think oh, it's going to look like this magazine or this you know pinterest board sure. but you have to know what your level is. Some people, I joke all the time, some people, let's say your master closet. Some people want what I call a destination closet. They want, you know, the pretty bench in the middle and a chandelier hanging and fancy velvet hangers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And other people just want to walk in without things falling on their head and they don't care if the hangers match and they don't care if the bins match. And so you have to know what your comfort level is and what your plan, you have to have a vision before you start because otherwise you're not, you'll be spinning your wheels a little bit. Is that where most people get their visions is from a Pinterest board or, you know, with that Southern living magazine or something. I know people in my family who do that, like, Oh, I want my fall scene to look just like this. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just wrote a controversial Facebook post last week where I said that I didn't care what your home looked like. And people are like, what, you know, because there is such a thing as visual clutter too. And you know, it impacts you. But what I meant by that was, if you are struggling in life or business and you're not getting stuff done and you don't feel good in your environment, like you don't have to get to that level. It doesn't have to look picture perfect to have a major impact on your mood and your productivity. And like, it it doesn't have to be Pinterest worthy. Is that where a lot of issues or problems could come from where people you know, focus so much on that. Oh, my home has to look exactly like, you know, this Pinterest or the oh, yeah. magazine. And then, you know, it almost comes, you know, a new level of stress just because you're trying to keep everything like that, you know, like it's mm-hmm. a status symbol almost, you know, that, Oh, I don't want somebody to walk in my entryway and they see, you know, my keys are not in a actual bowl or whatever. And it's just like oh, a huge nightmare. And then it's almost yeah. they end up making a losing battle, I guess. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's like people need permission to be real. Yeah, you know, right? I, always, I always say like, there's no moral judgment on what your home looks like. So a good way to think of it is like people say, well, what's organized? So number one is, does it work? Like, is it, is this functioning, whatever this is, do you like it? Cause if you don't like it, then it's not going to work. Does it work for everyone else that you live with? And I'll give you a funny example of that in a minute. And can you recover quickly? Cause life is going to happen. Right. So I work mostly with offices, home offices, that kind of stuff. And, but I, if you looked at my desk right now, there's 
five piles, but I could recover quickly because I know where everything goes and it has a place, et cetera. But um, there's a there's a lot of different ways to look at what organized means besides just a picture. But the does it work for other people example. So here, here's one from my own life. So when my boys, they're 26 and 22 now, but when they were younger, you know, I was always trying to make things perfect. I think I've learned and grown over the years. Uh And I had these nice whisker, um, wicker laundry baskets. Okay. And they wouldn't put their clothes in the laundry basket. Probably everyone on here is like, yeah, no, been there, done that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And finally, I figured out that if I threw the lids away, took the lids, just got rid of the lids, then their clothes would get in because then it became a game. I could like throw it and toss it in. And so did it look as nice? No, but it looked better than clothes all over the floor. And so you you have to come up with some creative solutions sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes it even more fun. I mean, I'm trying, I was trying to think of how it was when I was growing up, but I think uh, we just had one area back in our laundry room where everyone, you just had to take your clothes there and just put it there. Mm -hmm. And that was just a rule, you know, no clothes on the floor, go put it in there. And then hopefully it would get done somehow. But (laughs) Yeah. The laundry fairy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the laundry fairy does it for you. You just put it in this uh, basket and it ends up in the closet. <laughs> but, you know, when you said that, uh, you said, I forgot what you were talking about, but uh, there's a meme that comes to my head. Oh, or people were talking about how their house has to look a certain way all the time. That, you know, it's like one of those uh, memes you see on Instagram and, you know, it's like people who open up the door and they're like, you know, excuse my mess, but it's like the most perfect house, you know, you could ever see. And then it's like, well, nobody comes in and like starts judging your house. And so it's like, you know, starts, well, most people I know don't do that, but right. they, they have a guy that, you know, he runs into somebody's house and she says, Oh, excuse my mess. But it's like the perfect house. And he's running through every part of the house, looking at all the bedrooms and it's all perfect. And he's like, what mess are you talking about? So yeah, it's one of the things like that where people, they do very well, but I think it's, I don't know. They get they can't get out of their own way thinking that the house is not as clean as it should be for whatever reason, you know? I mean, we hold ourselves to all kinds yeah, of standards. That's a, good, that's a good way to put it. So, you know. yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, I don't know if that's society or what, but why, you know, like I was talking as a, saying something about as a status symbol one day, and it's just like almost you're looked down upon just because, you know, you have a, you know, clothes on the floor or whatever. And it's just like, no, we, we live here. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Just you want a functional house, but it's just not a Pinterest house. You know? Yeah, it seems to get it. I don't know. I don't know what my point is on that, but just I, when I grew up, it was just stuff like that that I felt like some people wanted the houses that way to an extent, and it caused more problems than what it were needed to be. I guess yeah. that was my whole point of that. But if you want that Pinterest house and it doesn't stress you to keep it that way, then go for it. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, oh yeah, go I'm not knocking it. it, but yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. This, you know, like you said, I guess it, it's case by case scenario. So, but, it is. but moving on past the physical clutter, you know, we talked about, did you say systems and noise clutter? Yes. Okay. Yes. What exactly did you mean by systems and like noise? So systems is what we talked about in the beginning. Like if you have five different calendars oh, okay. going, you know, or you have, yeah. um, you know, you file things, but in no particular order, or you don't have naming conventions for your documents and your downloads. That's a big one. How many people save things? And then you go back to try to find something and it's just Uh 35 letters and numbers and no description. So that would be an example. I mean, that's really digital clutter, but systems clutter is when there's just, um, just a mix mash of 
you know, all the tools that you're using sure. and everything going on in the yeah, business like or somebody's using one thing and somebody in another department's using something else. And so that would be systems. Noise is really a form of, I mean, I guess technically it's, it could be considered, it's just external clutter. So noise is just what it sounds like, you know, just, we never turn things off. We have so much background noise, um, alerts, everything dinging. What happens is people think they have to respond to everything that buzzes, rings, dings, you know, lights up. And that becomes a huge form of clutter because it's distracting you every few seconds from what you're supposed to be doing. And multitasking is a myth. We cannot multitask. You're really having micros. You're really having micro stops and starts. So every time you respond to some kind of alert, that's, that's a form of clutter because it's, it's just distracting you and it's clogging up your brain. Well, I guess that's a good point. You know, cause I used to not, well, all right. Thinking this out, out loud mm-hmm. so, you know, at work. <laughs> cause I agree with what you're saying that it can be, would you say an urban myth or whatever that yeah. like multitasking is a myth that, um, uh-huh. cause you know, I used, I, I still pride myself on because, you know, I, at my desk, I have three monitors, Plus, you know, my laptop over here, plus my phone and maybe an iPad over here. And with work, you know, I feel pretty good that, you know, I'm always doing, you know, I might have a podcast here. You know, I have my email on this screen and whatever I'm working on on this screen. But it is true that once I hear, you know, an alert go on, I automatically stop what I'm doing. It's like, oh, what does that email say? Oh, my phone. Mm-hmm. Went on now. So, <laughs> but I, I, no, I guess I used to think like, oh, well, I'm, I'm still getting everything done that I need to. I'm just over here now. But I, I stopped this to go to that. Then the. Of course, mm-hmm. I could take whatever I'm looking at on my phone, then go mindlessly scroll through Instagram for 10 minutes. Like, oh, wait, oh, I can go for it now. So, yeah. Think, think about it. What do you do when you have like a big project or a deadline or something, or you know, okay, I have got to get this done? Think of what's the first thing you do. You shut everything else off. For sure. For sure. And so we know that. We know it's distracting us, but we think it's okay. So, I, I mean, we're human, right? And we are naturally stimulated. Like you said, my phones are here too, you know, by all this stuff that goes off. But, um, so I just teach my clients a couple techniques to help with that. One of them is time blocking on your calendar. Like if you block out a period of, you know, two hours every Tuesday morning, let's say, and that's when you do your, um, appointment scheduling or calls or, you know, you've got to call the cable company or whatever. So that would be one. You can time block for anything. You can time block for writing. I have a lot of clients who have to do um, social media, blog posts, that type of thing. So you can block off that time. Um, So time blocking is really, really effective. The other thing, I don't know if you've heard of the Pomodoro technique. Yeah. What is that? Have you heard of that? So the Pomodoro technique is the thought process behind it is you do shorter bursts of concentrated activity. So the normal length of a, the most common length of a Pomodoro is 25 minutes of focused work. Okay. And then you have a five minute break and then you do another 25 minutes, five minute break, et cetera. And so when you do three or four cycles of Pomodoro, then you take a longer break. So that would be lunch or, you know, your afternoon break or whatever. And what that does is a couple of things. One, it it helps people who, oops, sorry. It helps people who get hyper-focused 
know that there's an end, there's a stopping point if they have a Pomodoro timer going. It helps people on the other end of the spectrum who really can't get into their tasks know like, okay, I'm going to do this. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park just 25 minutes. It's not going to kill me. You know, I I can do this for 25 minutes. And then the other thing it does is by having that break built in, you get up, you stretch, you get something to drink, go to the bathroom, you step outside, whatever that is, you actually come back. And for that second 25 minutes, much more energized and focused than if you tried to work straight through And for people who say, no, 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 I'm going to get distracted. I'm not going to know where I am. You know, so what I have my clients do, the ones who are really ADHD is when the Pomodoro timer, and I'll talk about that in a minute, goes off to tell them it's break time. I have them like literally on a sticky note or an index card, write what they were doing at that point, what their next thought was so they can pick right back up. So they don't worry about losing their place, but um, you can research They actually sell certain Pomodoro timers made for that, but then you also can go on YouTube and they have focus music or concentration music that has a built-in Pomodoro timer on it. And so it plays this background noise. You have to find the one that works for you. And then there's a little countdown at the end of the 25 minutes. And then it'll tell you when the five minute break is over. And it's, I've had really good success with clients. And then with some of the college and high school students I work with, they really like it too, because it, it helps you feel not overwhelmed. Like I can do, I can do this or they'll tell themselves, well, I'll just do one Pomodoro. So I'm going to work on my research paper just this 25 minutes. And then usually you get going. Sure. Yeah. So I haven't heard of that, but I have done that without even knowing it. For example, (laughs) I usually use it like what you're saying when I'm doing something that I don't want to do and whether it is, you know, if I have to clean my house or, you know, back in the day, write a paper or something along those nature, but I I never said, I think I would just like say, all right, I'm going to write one page and wherever I'm at, I'm just going to stop go do whatever, come right back to it. And like, that's how I tried to like, I guess, develop self-discipline in a little bit of a way. Just like, Hey, yeah. you know, a little, I'll just knock out a little bit at a time. And it's cause I don't want to sit here for three hours or, you know, however long it's going to take. Cause I know I'll just end up either rushing it, making it just trying to get, get it done. Cause I hate, I'm hating doing it or I can actually just sit, take a break, come back. Right. Knock it out. I don't know who said it. I wish I remember so I could give credit, but someone has a quote, something like you can start, early and small or late and big, something along those lines. Meaning like if you start early, you can just take steps, ask yourself, what's the next step? What's the next, you know, step in this project? Or if you procrastinate, you wait till the end. It's like, 
all of it at once. The other way people, some people do it, not using a timer. Some people will say, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, let's say you're organizing a closet. I'm going to do this for five songs. Mm. Like I'm going to listen to my favorite playlist and five songs and then stop. So something like that. I've seen success also. Yeah. Yeah. Like you talking about the, uh, the, the steps thing. I mean, that's how my brain likes to work is that if you give me a list of steps or whatever that I'll knock it out, you know, step one, cool. Got it done. Step two, mm -hmm. like just anything. And like, for some reason, like, and almost everything that I can think of in life, like my brain just loves doing it, whether it's work, you know, doing things outside in the yard, doing things around the house. It's like, Hey, first thing's done. We're moving on to step two. Moving on mm -hmm. to step three. Even like when I'm like putting a piece of furniture together, when simply is required or whatever, it's just like, they give me steps or whatever. <laughs> oh, here's a good one that, um, I got excited because uh, me and my friends got in a little bit of a debate, a friendly debate about cooking and baking and stuff. And, and uh, you know, she was talking about how baking can be pretty tough. And I was like, no, what are you talking about? No, it's not. It's all a recipe. You know, it's just like, no, Chris, it can be tough. You know, not every oven's different. You know, every microwave's different. And just nobody does everything perfect. I was like, they give you everything right there. When they tell you what to measure, you just go step one. All right, mix it. Step two. Just, well, you can do those things wrong. I was like, mm, I don't believe that. But I, you know, so I ended up trying to bake stuff and it went pretty well, I think, you know, <laughs> no big deal. It, ta it tasted good, but it might've been flat or whatever. It But you can, if, if you don't feel like doing it, like I teach my clients this all the time. Like if you know you have something and you don't want to start, you don't feel like doing it. Just ask yourself, what's the smallest thing I could do right now to move this forward? Yeah. Like what's the smallest, tiniest thing I could do? Almost like if you are trying to get into an exercise routine and you say, okay, well, I'm going to put on my shoes. Yep. If I don't want to walk, I'm not going to walk, but I'm going to put on my shoes. <laughs> it's that same kind of mentality. And then usually yeah. you walk. Yeah. There's somebody, I think he was a Navy SEAL or somebody. It's very famous and you probably heard it, but he has that, uh, that make your bed speech every morning. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, so if you make your bed first thing, then you already feel accomplished and you already start to get on that successful yeah. momentum that you're talking about. Yeah, that's like um, uh, the fly lady. I forget her real name, but she she's pretty she's pretty famous as well. And she talks about uh, well, she has a lot of good things, but she talks about cleaning your kitchen sink and keeping your kitchen sink sparkling. It's the same idea. Always clean your kitchen sink. Have a fly lady. I haven't heard this one. I might mm -hmm. like yeah, she gives daily tips. Like I said, I wish I remember her real name, but I don't right now. Really good. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right. So moving on, like, so, you know, I think we kind of already touched on the internal and emotional and spiritual type stuff, but, you know, for there, cause when you, you started to talk about it for me that, you know, I'm wondering that, you know, with so much information that comes at me on a daily basis, you know, just having these conversations, listen to a podcast, you know, the news, t television, um, whatever book I'm reading that, you know, some of those thoughts that I keep in my head based on however the day went that, you know, I start to, I don't want to say overthink, but analyze those things, whether, you know, like you said, spiritual, you know, like mm -hmm. life's purpose or, you know, is there a higher power and stuff? And there's one of those things that, you know, I don't, it doesn't keep me up at night, but it stays in the back of my head, you know, and that it's like always wondering like, Hey, you know, what else is do that? Do you, do you journal? I've started to. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to get that out. Yeah. I also teach my clients to do a brain dump because what's cool about a brain dump. So if you sit and do, let's say once a week or whatever, and you just write down everything that comes out of your brain, yeah. <laughs> just like it sounds, what's cool about it is some stuff will be that deep. Like, is there a higher power? And then other stuff will be by deodorant. 
Like your brain will just <laughs> not distinguish, like all kinds of stuff will come out. And so if you don't censor yourself, it'll be like, call mom, you know, get car insurance, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so you don't censor, you just write. Some people set a timer, some people don't. And then you can look at the list later. You can come back to it and say, okay, which of these were tasks? Which of these is a shopping list? Which is the, which of these things are something I need? Uh oh, you may have froze on me. So helpful in clearing our minds. Yeah. One of the, that's one of those things that, you know, going back to James Clear and habits and stuff like that was like, you know, mm -hmm. I've started to make myself journal just because of those things right there. And, you know, and doing a brain dump and just writing. And I was like, all right, let's go for a page right now, you know, and see where that goes. Me, it gives me, if I get, you know, done, go for two pages until I, you know, the pen feels like it's taking over and my brain is actually just your subconscious is writing then or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's good. And that, and when I finally go back and reread it, it helps me put some thoughts together, especially, you know, when I'm doing these and like, you know, if a certain topic comes up, it's like, okay, you know, I have more to say than what I originally thought I did. And it, mm -hmm. I can, almost articulate it better, I hope. So yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really neat how it works. Well, and some people need prompts. You know, some people couldn't just, they can't even fathom sitting with an empty page and a pen in their hand. They need prompts. But if you, you can Google prompts or get journals that already have prompts, but a really cool thing to do is up at the top of the page, write whatever's bothering you in question form, like, but in a positive question form. So let's say, um, you don't know what college to go to. Sure. And so that's like ruminating and you're stressing and oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So if you wrote at the top of your journal page, um, something like, what does it feel like to be at my ideal school? Or how do I feel now that I'm at my ideal school? What's really cool about the way our brain is wired is it's wired to answer questions. Mm -hmm. So that's why I teach my clients, you can't walk around all day saying, why am I not organized? Why am I a slob? Why? Because your brain is going to find evidence to tell you exactly why. And so you can do journaling and write it in a question form and you'll be amazed at some of the stuff that starts to come out. Yeah. And that's, I never thought about that. And I want to start start doing that looking for prompts and things i guess my thing was like kind of doing what you said like i just start writing and i start writing like oh i need to go get groceries today and and then or i need to go you know make sure i can take care of this at work and then i try to get in my flow like that way just you know i guess consciously thinking about what i'm writing and finally if you want to call it the muse it comes about and finally mm -hmm. something takes over and it's just like wow you know like one time i was writing about you know, what something that used to happen to me in high school as far as like this anxiety that would build up as me getting ready to walk into my high school, just for me be so nervous being in there, you know, and it was like, man, I haven't thought about that in years, you know, I mean, wow. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know, it's just like, it's very powerful stuff. And it's one of those things that I've been trying to build better habits of getting more in the habit of writing more often than I am. And just, just for those reasons right there. And it's just like, you know, a sense of therapy in a way and, mm -hmm. you know, releasing whatever that clutter is in my head and, yeah. you know, and just like, you know, being able to say things on paper, write things on paper, as opposed to saying them out loud, just because, you know, it's like, well, maybe I'm not ready to have that conversation with somebody quite yet, just because mm -hmm. I want to make sure I have all of my thoughts and feelings and yeah. ideas. You can write a letter and then yeah. burn it, throw it away, do whatever. Yeah. 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 But if you want to like get into a, a higher state, a better state of emotion or vibration the fastest way well the fastest way is music but the, the fast other fastest way is 
through gratitude. So I teach all my clients to have some type of gratitude journal, like a blessing journal or write 10 things every day that you're grateful for or something like that. It's the fastest way to shift. Really? Mm-hmm. I've never heard that before. Is that just because your brain just enjoys that type of dopamine rush, I guess, like saying, Oh, I'm very thankful, I guess. Or Yeah. Because like if, if you think of, you know, on an emotional scale and let's say you feel depressed sure. and maybe you're not going to jump all the way to the top and feel elation and joy all of a sudden. But if you start writing things you're grateful for, it's almost like you, your brain can't help it. You're going to start to feel a little bit better, a little bit better. Maybe you'll get to hopeful. Okay. Well, I'm hopeful. I'm not depressed anymore. I'm, or, you know, you'll, it just raises gratitude does something to our brain. Well, I guess that's a good point because, you know, I can't remember if we were touching on a little bit on it earlier, but you know, like it's just talking to yourself. And if you keep talking to yourself negatively, that your mind will probably tend to more f- focus on everything negative around your life rather mm-hmm. than saying, you know, you know, I, I don't really have it that bad, but you know, some people like tend to think that, you know, one bad thing happens to them and like, Oh, it's, you know, the world is, goes up in, in flames because of whatever reason. But, you know, it's one of those things that I think people just don't really sit down and think about, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I don't really have it that bad, you know, okay. You know, they got my order wrong. Okay, cool. Somebody <laughs> cut me off during the traffic. All right. But that's not really that bad. You know, at least, you know, like, Hey, I'm coming home. I got, you know, a roof over my head and I don't have to worry about, you know, food tonight and stuff like that. Where there's other people like that. You know, I've always, I think somebody always told me, told me once that, you know, when I was kind of down on myself, they're like, Hey, you know, it could be worse, Chris. And I was like, what do you mean? And they told me stuff like, well, are you going home tonight? You got a bed? Like, are you going yeah. to sleep? I was like, well, yeah, I am going to do all that. So I guess- when you're, if you're like truly suffering from depression though, that, I mean, sometimes that doesn't help to hear that, but what I've learned in teaching this to my clients for so many years now and in doing it with myself it is that practice does make perfect because when I first started teaching, like I teach about the thought model and how our results and our actions are a result of our thoughts and not our circumstances. And when I first started teaching it, it was so powerful. I had learned it. And then I went and took another, the person who taught it to me, I was like, wait a minute, that's fabulous. So I went and took a course on it. And so then I started incorporating it with my clients and teaching it. And so when I was started, it, it was good and I knew it was powerful, but what, what happens now is I, the second I start to have some kind of really negative thought or really negative feeling, it's almost like I've taught it so many times now, my brain doesn't even let it go there. doesn't let it happen or not for very long, nice. not for as long as it used to. So practice does make perfect. So if someone just heard all that stuff you just said and they're like, yeah, no, that wouldn't work. I can't do it. Just baby steps. Yeah. One of those things that when I've found myself getting down or going down one of those negative loops like that, that I put up a, a red stop sign in my head, like, dude, what are you Ooh. doing, man? You know, it's just like, I like that. Yeah. you know, it's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, yeah, I start out, I start going that way. Then finally, you know, something snaps up and I put that up and, you know, visualize that in my head. It's like, all right, why? Well, all right, turn this around, dude. What are you doing, man? This is not you. And, but, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think it's, in younger generations, today's society, culture, whatever you want to say, is it almost cool to be negative? Does that kind of make sense? It, and no, it does make sense. I think it is. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's almost like you're not 
I don't know the right word. You're not sensitive if you're not upset about something. If you're not complaining about something, you're not, um, you don't have your pulse on what's going on in the world. If, if, like, how can you be happy when there's so many things, you know? And I think, I think it's very different. I think there's a difference between just going through like, la, 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 with blinders on and having internal peace, just like a state of, internal pace. I think they're two very, very different things. You can still be concerned about what you see around you and have feelings about that without ruminating over it and letting it affect every part of your life, because that's not fixing the problem. Hmm. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at or what I was just wondering about, and I'm not calling out any demographic or populations or anything, but it's almost a certain, and I'm generally speaking that certain people feel like they have to explain on social media or whatever their thing is about how they feel about whatever's going on in the world, whatever topic, subject, or whatever it is, and that it's almost always some sort of negative connotation and that that attracts other negative con- connotations. Mm-hmm. And then they go into these echo chambers and then it's just surrounding yourself within these all negative outlooks on yeah. whatever it is. And it's just like, that's, Go go back to what I said in the beginning, like that's a form of clutter because those people are not navigating their life with ease. They are not enjoying their day-to-day interactions. They're probably not doing their best work or they're probably not showing up as their best selves in the world. They, when it gets to that point, that's when it becomes clutter because you're not, you're not living your life with purpose, with your best purpose. Good point. Mm -hmm. That's how you know that it's that clutter (laughs) and not just, Oh, I'm really angry about this today. Like that wouldn't be clutter. That's just, you know, that happens, but that's how, you know, it's crossed the line to clutter. Do you sit down and when you're thinking about clutter and, you know, people who are, you know, maybe suffering with ADD or maybe a type of hoarding, do you have to kind of get yourself into their mindset and what, what are they really thinking and what are they, you know, trying to see things in their shoes? I do. And we spend, I mean, we spend time talking before we jump into anything. And I do ask them, like I said, like, what do you feel about this? What do you want to feel? And so many words come out in that one question. You can pretty much tell where their mind is. And I've heard some really sad, I mean, overwhelmed comes up a lot, but you know, people they'll, they'll let you know pretty quickly what's going on, but then I shift it because I said gratitude's important. So the very next thing I ask them is, okay, well, what do you have going for you? Like, do you have a budget to get this stuff done? Maybe you have a beautiful space that you're not using. Maybe you have a friend who's really good at organizing. Like, so I shift it automatically, but yeah, I do have to understand. And you have to also understand um, why it got that way. Was there an event? You know, did they come through some type of trauma or, you know, how, what happened before this to get it to this point? Yeah. I heard somebody explain this or explain, you know, somebody who let's say that they were fit, skinny or whatever you want to say at one point in their life. And then some micro trauma, trauma happened and they got overweight and Mm -hmm. that then they decide they want to, you know, shift it and get healthy again, you know, and that they put it as that, Oh, well you have to get better the same way you got sick. And that was like, Hey, you know, so you were doing everything wrong there. And this is what leads you to, the state that you are in now. So now we have to reverse that and say, all right, now you have to start, it's going to be a harder path, but you have to do it the same way 
that you got sick, but make better decisions and just keep that momentum rolling. And then eventually you'll get to hopefully the outcome mm-hmm. won't, you know? And yeah. like that, and that kind of made sense to me. It's like, Oh, for whatever reason, like it, sa- it kind of sounded bad at first. I, was like, well, I guess that's true in a sense that, you know, you got to do it the same way, but just reverse it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's tied together. It's interesting that you mentioned like health and weight. Um, it's Peter Walsh actually wrote a book years ago called, I think it's called, does this clutter make my butt look fat? <laughs> and it was about the connection between like, you know, having a lot of physical stuff and then unhealthy habits and, and with my clients, especially with my younger clients, because I want to set them up good lifetime habits. We talk about what's your morning routine? What's your nighttime routine? Um, you know, are you starting and ending your day? Like, what are your bookends? How, what does that look like? Are you drinking enough water? Because nobody's going to make good decisions or have energy to declutter anything if you're dehydrated, you know? So I actually do dive into some of those things, like just general, general habit improvement. One one thing, and I forgot where I picked this up yet, somewhere along my life path that, you know, somebody said that great athletes are governed by routine. And do you see that most of your clients, you know, you ask them what their routine is, do they even have a routine or they just kind of, you know, bop on Most of them don't. And a lot of them have resistance. Like, I don't want that structure. I don't want, you know, to feel like it has to be this way. And what people don't realize is if you put in the right routines that feel good for you and that serve you, it actually gives you more freedom than restriction because you'll end up having more time. You'll spend less time worrying about what comes next. When am I going to do this? Um, The right structure for you actually gives you more freedom than restriction. Yeah. I used to, for whatever reason, I used to hate, used to say I hate routines. And I think that was because it might be, you know, Peter Pan syndrome. If you had a routine, you know, you were growing up. (laughs) I'm an adult. Yeah. You know, know, who wants to have a routine, but once I, you know, put myself into a routine, it was kind of what you said, like everything started to make sense for me. And I had, you know, time to do whatever I wanted. And, you know, I, I was doing a podcast with one of my friends one day. And, well, this was probably a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, he asked me about, you know, work-life balance and, you know, how I'm so able to get everything done. And that is like, well, it's, it's pretty easy, man. It's all about time management. You know, you like, I know every night what time I'm most likely will go into bed nine times out of 10, I'm going to sleep at this hour. So I can get my seven, eight hours. I know what time I got to be at work. You know, I know what time I'm leaving work. And then I know, you know, I'm doing CrossFit at the end of the day. I'm knowing I'm coaching. And then, you know, everything in between, like I just set my standards, like, Hey, for an hour here, I'm going to do podcast stuff, you know, for an hour here, I'll do my marathon training, you know, and it's, and yeah, you know, some people, there can be some arguments made that, you know, I don't have any kids. I'm just a single dad of two dogs. So that (laughs) also helps, but but I still still think that, you know, it's with time management routine and getting in certain good habits that, you know, you can accomplish anything you want to. And like maybe I'm making it more simple than what it is, but I think that that's just how it you works. have to start it, simple. It, though. Yeah, you gotta start. Simple simple's the secret sauce, honestly. Every time someone says, Well, that's too simple, I'm like, Great, start with that, see what happens. <laughs> because that's that's yeah. And it's interesting that you said time management, and then you talked about your habits because yeah. we can't really manage time, we manage ourselves and our energy and our habits. And so a lot of people interchange because when you said time management, you talked about I do this and this, and those are your habits. And so I talk with my clients about like what are your non-negotiables? So for me, like 
99% of the time I cannot fall asleep unless I floss. For okay. some people, flossing is a stretch, but yep. for me, that's a non-negotiable. Other people have really good habits. That would be hard for me. And so I always tell them like, start with that, keep your non-negotiables and then go up from there. Like what new habit do you want to introduce after that? And then some people, they can find that next new habit if they think, well, what did you used to have as a non-negotiable? Because like we said, you know, life can get messy and we can sort of fall off the wagon and things. And so they're like, oh, well, I used to do this all the time. Then start there. That's the new, that that's the habit. That's the first habit to introduce, like stuff you used to be good at. Yeah. I'm one of those guys that I don't like to floss and, (laughs) and I mean, I don't want to change subjects here, but I'm one of those guys. I'll go to my dentist and I advocate for mouthwash and that, you know, it does just as good as flossing. And I know and he gets on to me and it's just kind of a joke at this point now, but I used to say it all the time. I was like, why why floss when it's just, you know, you put that stuff in it's you're good to go. But I know, I know I should floss more, (laughs) but uh, we're getting a little short on time here, but I wanted to ask you before you got out of here. Um, you said earlier in a podcast something about you sold all your stuff and moved to the beach. Oh yeah, we were going to go. We no, were going to come back to that. I wanted to hear that story. <laughs> no, it's just interesting. So I, 2019, I got separated, and then I moved back to Virginia, and I, you know, we ended up getting divorced. And so I was in my place there two years and I loved it. And it was like my little cocoon and my landlord decided to sell. And so I decided to take a leap and do something really different. And so I only had 30 days though, because they were going to sell and they gave me that time. So it's interesting. It has made me so much more compassionate in what I did because the whole experience was crazy. Um, Some stuff was extremely hard to part with that maybe, you know, shouldn't I'm doing air quotes there. Um, some stuff was easy to let go. Even if it was expensive, it was, it was a very interesting journey. I mean, I kept crazy things like a little Tupperware with my son's name on it from when he was in preschool and he's 22 now, but then I let it go six months later, like at first, but I, that's the key. You have to give yourself that grace. Like, even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else. And so it was a, it was a big process. So everything last summer, I was a vagabond pretty much went to actually work with some clients all over the country. That was fun. Everything I owned either fit in my car or a tiny storage unit. And um, yeah. And then I moved to North Carolina to oceanfront, like 700 square foot, really crappy condo, but I love it. (laughs) And um, yeah, just a a lot of people thought I was crazy, but I had to shake things up. It was, and it, it did make me better at what I do. Just from that, I saw how hard some of those decisions are. Yeah, just your own little little, uh, I guess, side road right there. And like I, I try to advocate for that where people take chances like that and do things like that more, mm-hmm. rather than just I don't know what to compare it to. But you find out a lot about yourself and learn that you do yeah. because I didn't realize how much. I was attached to my stuff because I thought, oh, everything's neat and organized and clean. And I was working with another person going through the same thing. And she said what was crazy is she had a revelation one day and she broke down crying and she and she had to keep telling herself, I am whole and complete without my stuff. Mm. And that was so deep. And I realized that's, I, I used the word untethered. I felt untethered. Like I wanted to grab onto a table or a chair. I I did. I felt untethered and eventually that became a positive thing, but at first it's scary. 
And some people go through that same fear, even just releasing a bag of old clothes. And so I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a whole different experience. And I've never really even, I feel like I've never even had a situation like that in my life. And I can't even know if I can even relate to that in any way, but you know, there's some things that, you know, I hold true to this based on, you know, like life mementos that somebody gave me or like a grandparent gave me. But for most part that I've never, you know, there has been that question to me that, you know, if your house caught on fire, what would be the first things you grab? And so right. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I used to think like electronics and technology stuff, but you know, to, I'm at that point now where it's just like, whatever. Your dogs. Yeah. Like now it's just like, I guess I'll run in and grab the dogs if they don't, they follow me everywhere I go anyway. So if I'm running out, they're running out with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just, you know, I got a couple of mementos that I think, you know, from my grandparents and families that I would probably run grab, but yeah. And of course the dogs, but you know, I think yeah. they'd be okay. So it hmm. does make you think like, can you be you and can you still be grounded and feel whole and complete without any of the stuff? So, yeah. 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 You know, a lot of people think that, I mean, I mean, I'm one of them too, that if, if I go anywhere without my phone, that, you know, they're naked, you know, they feel in weird. They're not complete. And I've been trying to make it more of a habit. Like if I go into the grocery store, I leave my phone in the car and that way it's like, okay, like you were talking about small steps. Like, okay, I can be okay without 10, 15 minutes while I'm in the grocery store. I mean, what, what am I really going to miss? And I don't miss who's, who's going to, yeah. If I miss my Instagram message or whatever, right. I think I'll be okay. here. You know, it's not really going to affect my grocery store experience. So anyway, well, I wanted to ask you finally, again, that, you know, with all this we've been talking about with cluttering and stuff that, you know, if somebody is in this part of their life where they've reached like, Ooh, okay, maybe I need to start thinking about decluttering, whether it like be those four types we talked about three or four types that we talked about earlier, like, you know, what is your advice to them? I mean, what do you tell them first on this podcast, like where to start at or, you know, all that good stuff. I would start with, like I said earlier, what, what bothers you the most, or to phrase that in a more positive way, what, if you changed would feel really good or what would make the most positive change in your life. And so that's the area that you would start on. And like I said earlier, the good thing is you do get momentum from working on one that'll affect the other, but yeah, start with that. Start with what would feel good and start with something, start with something easy, declare a no clutter zone and go from there. See how that feels. I like it. All right. Well, cool, Carrie. If people do want to find you and all that good stuff, if you want to plug anything, feel free to do. <laughs> sure. So the one of the easiest ways to find me is if you go to clutter to clarity steps.com, they there's a download there on how to get unstuck. It has a very holistic view. So that's pretty cool. And then I have a, a productivity quiz to see where you stand. And there's um, my website is conquerthechaos.com. You can find my TED talk on there. That's that might be a good place for some people nice. to start if they don't know where to start. But yeah, clutter to clarity steps or conquer the chaos are the two best places. And then I love my Facebook group. I have a pretty vibrant Facebook group called Less Clutter, More Peace. I love it. Cool. Well, Carrie, thanks for uh, thanks for chatting with me tonight. Appreciate You're it. welcome. Thanks for having me. Cool. All right, folks, we're out of here.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 